Got questions? The Bible has answers. We'll help you find them. Welcome to the God Questions Podcast with Shea Hoodman, President of God Questions Ministries. Welcome to the God Questions Podcast. One of the first episodes we recorded was about churches coming out of COVID, how churches were adjusting to the coming out of the lockdown restrictions, adjusting to all the new realities they've had to face. Well, this is kind of a part two to that, but obviously several months later, and our topic today is be primarily what is the cause of all the disunity we're seeing in churches related to pretty much all things COVID. I've had several good pastor friends tell me that they've never seen in their whole ministry experience godly mature believers landing on such opposite sides of the spectrum on COVID-related issues. So um, that's what we're going to be t- talking today. And I've got three friends of mine who are serve the Lord in pastoral ministry. We've got Eric Cartier. He's the lead pastor at Rocky Mountain Calvary here in Colorado Springs. We've got Al Pittman, the lead pastor at Calvary Worship Center, also here in Colorado Springs. And then Scott Owen, who is a longtime volunteer writer for Got Questions Ministries and also a a church planner, um, interim pastor, and he serves in various roles related to church conflict resolution. So gentlemen, welcome to the show. It's so good to have you. Now, let me say a quick story here. This kind of illustrates some of the difficulties we had. Um, at the church I attend here in Colorado Springs, we had a men's retreat not too long ago, earlier in the fall. And we knew there'd be conflict if people started talking about um, COVID. Um, we know there's people, this person is way onto the right, this person's way onto the left or whatever. And we didn't want to have to keep them away. So me and our lead pastor came up with the, an idea of creating what we called the COVID jar. It was sort of like a cuss jar in that <laughs> if, if someone has a problem with cussing, every time they cuss, they have to put some money in the cuss jar. Well, the COVID jar was anytime anyone talks about anything related to COVID, they've got to put a dollar in the COVID jar. And so the one of our missionaries got a nice gift after um, our men's retreat. I'll, I'll leave it at that. But that's the kind of thing we're facing in that such widely divergent opinions on these issues and it's caused a lot of conflict, a lot of stress in churches. So the first question I want to ask the three of you, so seemingly godly and spiritually mature believers are taking strongly opposing viewpoints on virtually all things COVID related. Why is this? And Eric, um, why don't you lead us off? Well, the first thing that comes to mind uh, for me is Satan's an opportunist. Uh, he loves to swim in murky water and COVID's really given him the opportunity to bring a division. So I think that in a lot of ways, uh, Satan's been laughing at the body of Christ that he can get us to divide over these issues. Um, I'm not real quick to warm up to the spiritual battle. Uh, unfortunately, I, I tend to think of that last, but but we know that Paul told us that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. So I do think there's that spiritual component where the enemy's wanting us to divide over these issues. And I definitely have seen believers that I really love and know that they love the Lord uh, take very uh, opposing views. So instead of Christian love winning out, sometimes it seems that division is winning out. Yeah, I, I'm uh uh, I'm total agreement with that. It, it's definitely spiritual warfare, and the scripture tells us that it's the things that that are not seen that are really reality. The things that are seen are temporal, and the, the things that aren't seen, like the virus and spiritual warfare, that really uh, cause people to be divided. Unfortunately, uh, even even in the church, uh, sometimes partly because of, I think uh, kind of personal. 
opinion, and that is in regards to maybe their constitutional rights and that type of thing. And and then I think it gets into also personal conviction. Uh, people have certain convictions about certain things, and there just seems to be a lack of respect for different opinions. And uh, as uh, Eric said, a, a lack of harmony in unity uh, as a result within the body of Christ, which is tragic. But um, that's, I think there's the, the conflict there because people have a exalted COVID, I believe, above Christ. There should be the centrality of Christ within the church. And, and what we have sometimes is centrality of COVID. And uh, that's unfortunate and, and tragic. Mm-hmm. I've noticed that, uh, quite frankly, people are getting their information from different places. And I think social media has had a, a, a way of ramping up things. Uh, before, people could have opinions and they would tend to talk in their circles. Uh, now it seems that people will post and repost. And as a result, that sets them in a box as to really what they're thoughts are, and then people start uh, prejudging that. And as a result, they can be very uh, uh, adamant that that person is wrong and, and such. I also noticed that because of way communication has come out in our, in our country, some of the political stances that have been taken, uh, that there's a, a lack of clarity of what actually we're dealing with. And as a result, uh, Christians uh, don't have the the solid things that we're used to, the things that uh, the scriptures talk clearly about or, or those items. And as a result, it's easy to get polarized on that based upon whether you're emphasizing your rights or whether you're emphasizing uh, fear. or And what I find is that people are kind of labeling people, either it's anti this or it's uh, uh, you're doing that. And as a result, people are reactive to that. And I think that there's a there's a knowledge versus love, as you guys noted. And there's also a faith versus stewardship. And then, uh, again, fear that, that comes into play. And I think fear can be on both sides. Uh, uh, one might be a fear of being taken over or being taken advantage of or a fear of, mm-hmm. of what the disease is doing in and of itself. And these things have uh, been very difficult for mature Christians to handle uh, because they see their friends on one side or another, and it's caused a lot of division that way. For sure. So for question two, um, what, in your experience in the past nearly two years, we've been all dealing with COVID, um, what damage have you seen that's been done to the church, whether it's your church specifically or to the church in general by all the COVID-related division? I was in the midst of a an interim right when the COVID hit and the shutdowns took place. Uh, so we were there for another 10 months and then uh, another church for two months. And then we've actually ministered to uh, 20 uh, different churches in a variety of different facets and several different states. And some of the things that I'm, I'm seeing is that it's really affecting leadership teams. Uh, there have become some division amongst them. They have lost their... Uh, for example, maybe uh, if it's a volunteer group, like de- some church said deacons, they might step down or pastors have been let go uh, because of these differences of opinions or how things were carried out in regard to responding to certain mandates and things along that line. I also noticed that uh, people have left churches to go to churches that better fit how they were reacting to to COVID. Uh, and that, as a result, has done a little bit of shuffle in regard to some of the churches. 
judgment of other people I was at a halt all-time high uh, labeling and and uh, just the lack it, it was noted in the other question the lack of love and patience and giving the benefit of the doubt to others yeah it's it's uh I, I've just seen a lot of uh, believers who are like gripped with fear they're no longer walking by faith but they're they're gripped with fear and of course the Bible says without faith you know we cannot please the Lord and uh, that fear, has hindered their fellowship. And the negative impact I think has had is that it's isolated people. There's some people, and I saw a statistic some time ago about the number, it was an alarming statistic, uh, and I forget the number, but a uh, large percentage of people will not be returning to the church. And, um, you know, so the people have been isolated, they have uh, been robbed of fellowship, and they're walking in fear and not faith. And and thereby the fear is because they we've demonized each other. I mean, it used to have, you know you had an opinion, I had an opinion, but you know we had still had fellowship in, in Christ. But when you demonize someone and you actually believe that what they're doing is of the devil, I mean, uh, you know that's that that's tragic. But that's what fear gives birth to, uh, even in the church. So I've seen just a a lack of faith and trust in the Lord, and of course. I'm always telling my people, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but that of power and of love and a sound mind. Absolutely. You know, one thing that I think concerns me is just uh, when COVID hit, church services went online. And I think that God really used that and is continuing to use that. And we're seeing a lot of people come to Christ through the online services. So online definitely has its place. And I think it's here to stay. But I've seen a shift where some have replaced going to church in person with online streaming services. And I think in the long run, that weakens the church because there's so much in the New Testament that describes one another and being in relationship with one another. So we're fully committed to the online ministry, but we we hope that it's a bridge that that brings people into local churches to, to RMC, but to other churches but I fear that for some, it'll become a replacement where church is uh, at home streaming and is not uh, in person. But also, too, uh, I've seen God work in powerful ways. I think in spite of all of this, my vote would be I think God's strengthening the church more than anything else. Um, really seeing God move and the people that, that are uh, at church are really hungry to be here, hungry to love one another, to be in fellowship. So I'm sensing that there's a real spiritual revival that's also happening in the midst of these challenges. I was about to tell you, Eric, you need to be careful because you're on a podcast for an online ministry. So careful what you say there. But no, I totally get what you're saying in that we get people who will even look to God questions as their church, so to speak. And like, no, 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 absolutely not. Um, It's great that we reached a point technologically that you can... Um, worship together and be taught the word online, but it does not replace fellowship in person. So I try to, I get what you're saying. So question three, what would you say about how can churches reestablish an appropriate amount of unity despite the fact that COVID is still around and the strong opinions do not seem to be going away? So uh, for me, I think one of the ways that we can uh, build unity is to uh, focus on Christ. You know, Al said it in the first question of the centrality of Christ. When when our focus is on Jesus, he unifies us. Um, and so putting Christ in the forefront of all of our personal worship 
and really respecting that people have God-led convictions that are different from one another. Uh, I think that it is a time where you do need to be convinced in your own mind what God would have you to do in some of these issues. But then because of Christ, to be able to look at a brother or sister, say, we, we've decided something completely different on some of these COVID issues, but we can extend love and grace and, and forgiveness to each other. So I think it's giving people room to be convicted in their own mind, maybe have a different opinion than, than we would have, but but continuing to, to love them. And if we're willing, it's a great exercise for us. You know, it, it, it really presents uh, some fresh material to grow in God's love for one another. Amen. Yeah, it's, it sounds like an oversimplification of the remedy to this disharmony and unity and disunity we have uh, within the church. But, you know, First John, you know, you guys know well, verse chapter one, you know, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And, you know, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. If we walk, if we discourse, if our conversation, if the way we treat each other is in the light, we will have fellowship. That's what the Bible says. But we say we, you know, if we walk in darkness and we say we know him, then John says, you know, you're a liar. And to walk in discord and darkness is, is, is to walk in, in darkness. And Jesus prayed, you know, Father, make them one uh, that the world might believe that you sent the Son. So you see that this is, you know, this, this harmony, this, this, this unity that the world is seeing in the church. It really convinces the world that Christ is a fraud. Uh, which is wrong. We know that. But how can they believe our message if we can't get along? And I mm-hmm. think it starts with with personal examination. The Bible says, examine yourself, see if you be in the faith. You know, David said, prayed, Lord, you know, search me, see if there be any wicked way in me, lead me in the way everlasting. You know, I've often witnessed in my own life when I say, Lord, search me. You know, if I'm having a spat with my wife, Lord, search me. Is it me? And God will tell me the truth. Yeah, it's you. <laughs> and I have to repent. So I think it starts with personal examination. Every individual believer saying, God, search me, see if there be any wicked way in me of discord and and, and, uh, unbelief and fear. And then lead me in the way everlasting. He says, walk in the light. The light is the word of God. And so if we walk according and line our lives up with the word of God, then we will have unity or the Bible is a lie. But Scripture says we will have fellowship with one another. I think that's getting back in line with the Word of God. You know, self-examination is one way that we can, you know, destroy the walls that have been built in the church and be one in Christ so that the world might believe that He sent the Son. Matthew 7 discourages us from judging one another. And later on in that passage, in verse 5, he says to take the log out of our own eye, and then we'll be able to see clearly to take the speck out of our brother's eye. I think one of the things our people are are challenged with, and I heard this the other day, is someone was asking, who do you think the weaker brother is in this situation? If if we're trying to work through this, then my my point is that I don't think it's an issue of who. It's just it's the principle of what. What are we supposed to? How are we supposed to respond to one another, uh, regardless of who he thinks has knowledge and who he think is has fear? Because I think there's that on both spectrums, if you would. And, but the point is, I think people have gotten so accustomed to to judging and and are, need to work on 
doing as uh, Al pointed out, is looking at the log in our own eye and wanting to work on that. Some church leaders need to look at the log in their own eye and go back to their church and say, when this played out, we responded wrongly by doing this. Uh, we There's a need for reconciliation and remittance of some log in their own eye. I realized that a lot of a lot of churches did well when they were able to act decisively and consistently. The churches that uh, were not decisive and they started to let opinion of this party, of group of people or this group of people, and they're flip-flopping back and forth as to what they were doing, the people were not served well. And it's important for us as church leaders to be able to accept what things we could have done differently and how we could have done it well. And also we need to follow up and spend time uh, ministering to people. Uh, for those that have left, uh, it's important to, to seek them out and to uh, try to reconcile with those situations, even if they've already become established in a sense in another church, because it's important for them to understand that, that there's a desire for that unity, even though there, there might be some disagreement. And it needs to be modeled amongst, uh, amongst people in the church. And as we do this in the body, it'll be more of an example to the people as they will look and see the love that we have for one another. Then we will know that we are our Christ's disciples. Uh, so I think that's those are the most uh, helpful things that I can think of when a church has experienced some difficulties and they want to establish some unity. They've got to listen. They've got to be willing to look at the log in their own eye and want to approach people with a lot of grace. Thank you all for excellent answers so far. Um, question four, I think um, Eric hinted at this earlier. Um, mm -hmm. What are some positive things that you've experienced as a pastor in the past two years of COVID? I know this is an episode primarily about disunity, but not everything's been about disunity. So I wanted to share with us an example of something positive, maybe a little unexpected that's happened that's really been an encouragement to you. One of the roles I have is helping churches find a pastor. And we thought that when COVID hit, that they'd be almost impossible. But there were three churches I was connected with that each were able to successfully call a pastor in the midst of difficulties. They were very gracious for those that couldn't make it. They were very careful. They adjusted some ways in which they typically went through the process of calling a pastor or accommodating those individuals that did not want to take the risk to get together. And I found that to be a great uh, expression of understanding how that this is important to the whole body. And so I was encouraged by that element. And there are several others, but I'll let the other gentlemen be able to share their blessings. Well, I, uh, for me, um, is uh, just several things. I mean, I, I just feel like what Satan meant for evil, God turned around and used it for good. And um, we, we just saw a real community, our community grow online. Uh, still, we have online services and we see people being added to that uh, every week. And um, seeing that and, and a hunger, one of the other benefits uh, is a real hunger for fellowship. Uh, people just really want to come and, and they're, they're, they're coming back in and, and just really hungering for fellowship. And the other one, and I'm sure Eric can relate to this as well. I, every pastor I've spoken to, kind of in the circle that Eric and I kind of run around in, uh, they are just talking about how God had blessed above and beyond financially. Yes. I mean, without taking PPP money or whatever, they just, you know, the, the Lord has blessed them tremendously financially. So just watching God's provision and it's really emboldened 
not only my faith, but the faith of our, our congregation that we're still here and God is still blessing and, and doing a great work uh, uh, in the fellowship. But those three things, you know, just the, the uh, effectiveness of our ministry online and, and the hunger for fellowship and just the real financial blessing and seeing God healing uh, people uh, uh, through this, this whole thing. Um, again, what Satan meant for evil yeah, has just seen so much good come out of it and testimonies of what God has done in our fellowship. So I'll share a story uh, with you. We were able to have baptism after not having baptism for a little bit. And it was it was a huge deal, you know, uh, for us to celebrate a baptism. There was a guy in our church that men- men- mentoring a guy in Washington State. And he was talking with him and this guy on Washington State's like, I really am feeling led by the Lord to be baptized, but my church is closed. The, I can't find a church that's doing baptism. And this man from our church said, well, we're having baptisms this weekend. It was like on a Thursday night. And the guy in Washington State bought a ticket and him and his wife came out and he got baptized. And they they were going through some challenges in, in their marriage. And that's why they were doing this this mentoring with the guy in the Springs and you could just see God doing a deep work in this man's life and in that marriage. And after they got baptized, they were just weeping together. And I never seen anything like that where someone's like, I'm going to get on a plane from the West Coast and come to Colorado to get get yeah. baptized. And that, that spiritual hunger to hunger and thirst after righteousness. And the other thing that was a blessing for us here at Rocky Mountain Calvary is kind of wiped the chalkboard clean. Uh, our church, thankfully, has been here for a lot of years. and. And sometimes it's like, well, let's do what we did last year. And it's just easy to fall into that pattern. Well, COVID completely wiped that out. There's no more, let's just do what we did last year. And as staff and leadership just really forced us to seek the Lord of God, what do you want to do now? And and I don't want to lose that uh, as the years go on of, of hopefully that the chalkboard stays clean and, and God can write what he wants to during this this season. Again, thank you all again. This has been a very interesting podcast for me, just listening to you guys. I enjoy the interview ones because I don't have to do nearly as much talking as the normal ones. So thank you for that. I mean, one closing question. I know I didn't maybe give you this one ahead of time, but I'm confident you'll be able to answer it without any difficulty. Just speaking to congregants, church members, attenders of your churches and speaking on behalf of maybe pastors around the country, around the world, I don't envy the position you've been in for the last two years, having to make decisions where you know there's people on both sides who aren't going to be happy with the direction that the Lord leads you to go. Um, what is something that we as your flock can do that would make your job easier, that would make this whole process a little less contentious? And how can we help build unity in addition to what you as pastors are attempting to do? Eric, why don't you um, go first for this one as well? Okay, well, that's that's a good question, uh, Shay. And, you know, I think just remembering that pastors and elders and are human. They're, we're sinful. Uh, we fall short. I know in hindsight, there was things that I would do differently leading through COVID. It was a very tough season. Uh, and just knowing that your pastors, your elders were seeking the Lord, doing the best that they could. But at the end of it, uh, we're human. We're, we're flawed. We're not going to always uh, get it right. And uh, prayer and encouragement goes a long ways. You know, um, when you get an email as a pastor of encouragement or you get a note of encouragement, man, it just means so much, you know. And so 
if God's put your pastor on your heart and you're like, man, I'd like to give him a note of encouragement, do it. Cause I can guarantee it. It will encourage him. Amen. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, that's uh, so, so important. Those notes, you know, we all, you get the other notes too, you know, <laughs> those are the ones we don't keep, but the notes of encouragement, you know, just like a cup of uh, cool water in the desert sometimes. And it's, it's just such a blessing, but yeah, praying for your pastor and, and, and we're humans. I, I told someone this the other day that uh, I've been very consistent in ministry, you know, and then I went on to say, I've consistently offended just about everybody. <laughs> you know, I, 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 you know, it's just, uh, you know, I'm human. I'm flawed. I, I didn't handle probably the whole COVID response perfectly, you know, and all of that. And I'm sure I didn't. But my, I, I thank God that in our church, and people have been gracious toward me, even those I think that have disagreed many times. And that has been so refreshing that they're willing to extend that grace uh, to to not only me, but to one another. And so uh, the, the graciousness of the Lord, the spirit of the Lord is what a pastor needs. It's refreshing to his soul. Be gracious to him. He's human. He's going to be he's going to make mistakes. And, and remember that, uh, you know, it's not by might or power, but by the spirit of the Lord that that really Jesus uh, is the chief shepherd of the of the flock, and that he's trying to follow the uh, follow the Lord. And uh, sometimes he doesn't get it right, but you're going to be fine because the Lord is the one. He's our shepherd, and uh, he's gonna, he's the one taking care of the flock. But yeah, uh, graciousness, uh, words of encouragement, and especially prayer is so essential. I think there's two things that come to my mind. One is for just people to realize the challenge it is to make a decision that impacts several people's lives whether it's at the pastoral level, a school level, a government level, uh, too often we can play armchair, whatever, uh, and think that if I were doing this, I would do it differently. But the balance of having to consider people of all different perspectives, age groups, et cetera, is a, is a great burden. If people could just understand that, uh, uh, that having grace in that element would go a long way. And I would say to those individuals, might be rare out there, that uh, maybe you had some harsh or pretty intense statements that you had with your pastor or some of your leaders. Yes, time does kind of go through, but I think it's beneficial and biblical to to go back and say, you know, when I talk about that, I, I want I don't want that to impact our relationship going forward, or I want to see you this way uh, rather than the way I was talking before. Because those things are, are very critical. And, and as I work with churches, many times the things I'm working with, the things that took place five, ten years back, uh, and people have not worked on because they just swept them underneath the rug. So I would encourage if there were any kind of clashes to not just think, oh, wow, we got through the issue. Let's move on. Be willing to talk about it and get reconciliation. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much for being on the show today. I appreciate your insight, your encouragement, your words of wisdom. And thank you for being a little vulnerable at the end of this kind of the stuff you've gone through and how we can encourage you as well. Because like I said, you, you're human. Um, you need encouragement um, just like the members of your flocks do. So this has been the Got Questions podcast with Eric Cartier, the lead pastor at Rocky Mountain Calvary. Al Pittman, the lead pastor of Calvary Worship Center, both those churches here in Colorado Springs. And then with Scott Owen, who is a longtime volunteer with gotquestions.org, also an expert, so to speak, in resolving church conflict. So hope this conversation has been encouraging, beneficial to you. Got questions? Bible has answers. We'll help you find them. 
Your questions, biblical answers. The God Questions Podcast. Check us out at podcast.gotquestions.org.